We are Natalie and Matthias. We welcome you to our conversations with B2B ecosystem experts and platform founders. Our goal is to uncover what they learned and help you to launch and scale platforms, marketplaces and business ecosystems. Enjoy! Welcome to this new edition of the Platform for Future podcast. I'm Nathalie Dumas Lamborghini and I'm here with my great co-host Matthias Walter. Hi Matthias. Hello Nathalie. Hello. Hi. So today we're going to talk about the role of data in the future of travel ecosystems. And for this, we are very privileged to welcome Mr. Christian Varnack, who's the VP and Head of Airline Solutions for Central and Eastern Europe at Amadeus. And Amadeus, uh, for those who might not know, is one of the top 10 travel technology companies in the world. Hello, Christian. Hello, Natalie. Hi. Nice to have you here. So, um, we're going to... As I said, we're going to talk about the role of data in, in the travel ecosystems. When we talk about platforms generally, often we think about marketplaces and a bit less about data. And uh, data can yet be a very powerful lever to evolve the business model or a business model towards a, a platform business model. And Amadeus is a perfect example of this uh, and of this transition and how data was leveraged Uh, to evolve your business mo model. And um, uh, you actually managed to establish yourselves as a really trustful data platform. Um, just to give a couple of uh, uh, numbers that, uh, you know, you can obviously uh, find on your website, but you're actually uh, boarding 5.5 million passengers every day. And in your ecosystem, you're, really uh, encompassing uh, a huge number of stakeholders, like nearly 500 airlines, 120 airports, grand handlers, insurance, rail operators, etc. So this is really, truly a, a wide um, ecosystem uh, approach that you're taking. And in fact, uh, I'm going to let you, we're going to, you know, dive into the conversation straight away and I'm going to let you uh, give a, uh, Uh, our listeners a bit of context about first how you know Amadeus was created maybe a little bit of the history of Amadeus and then we'll uh, you know continue over yeah thanks for having me Amadeus was created maybe a little bit different from how normal companies are created it was a co-creation of four airlines Lufthansa SAS Iberia and Air France and the governments uh, which helped to have this company created. Uh, all four airlines and the governments thought that there needs to be a kind of counterweight in Europe to the airline reservation systems, the computer reservation systems in the US. And Europe cannot stand behind and leave this business to the US. So the four founder airlines created Amadeus And the governments helped to find the right place where this company uh, could have its sites. And the story goes that each of the founders got a bit of uh, sites 
for each of the countries. So Lufthansa, the Germans can uh, do the operations. They're following instructions. So we got the operating system center in Erding. Uh, Air France, these, those are the creative guys. So they have the innovation and development center in Sofia Antipolis, close to Nizza. And then we have the headquarter being in Madrid. And SAS was the first CEO of the company. And we started as a computer reservation system, but then expanded a little bit in different directions. So uh, a great story again here in our podcast of a French and German connection and collaboration. So I really, really like it. Um, and um, I also looked up the facts and Amadeus was founded in 1987. So it's really a, a long journey until today. And uh, it looks like that you are one of the first platforms we operate here in, in Europe or how evolved Amadeus from an, a booking reservation IT system into a platform. You need to understand that at that time, there was nearly no access to the internet existing. So nearly no, no people had access to the internet and air bookings were made through travel agencies retail stores where you have to, to go. So no online websites as the internet was nearly not present. Uh, so the needs which we solved was to connect the airline seats in the air with the traveler which goes to travel agencies. And so the core was a platform with a two-sided model of the travel agency as the users and the airlines as the providers. And the business model was clear. We had a uh, booking fee for each of the bookings, but we also have a, had a subscription fees in some markets for getting access to our platform because that was not obvious at the times where no internet was there. And if we want to jump into the evolution Uh, with the internet before going into how the platform grew in itself, because I think that is another interesting subject, how we grew from airlines to where we are today. Um, everyone was thinking that with the internet, there will be a disintermediation so that the travelers would go directly to the airline websites, book their flights, and there's nearly no business for travel agencies and also no business for platforms in the middle. But the opposite is the case. Uh, we see that the air market has grown so significantly, uh, so many different fare products, so many different uh, fares to compare, so many different airlines there to go from A to B with connections that you really need to have powerful search tools which go across a single airline. And this cannot work without a platform. The platforms could be meta searchers as we see them today, but could also be what we are as Amadeus. Um, And it brings up new forms of search as well, not only uh, what are the planes flying from A to B, but also where can I go for 100 euros or 1,000 euros, depending on your budget, from a destination A to anywhere in the world. So what are the destinations I can reach with my budget? These are questions at the start of Amadeus no one asked. That's very uh, interesting, actually. You, you mentioned people were worried about disintermediation. This is uh, most of the time the case when we talk about platforms. And uh, in fact, you're actually demonstrating how you are 
focusing on helping your customers better serve their customers and facilitating their jobs, in fact, instead of disintermediating them. So uh, uh, were there any specific uh, difficulties that you encountered through that journey? I would say that there are two dimensions we may need to understand first. So one is the dimension that you have a two-sided business models and travel agencies and airlines have different requirements. So the travel agencies want to offer full journeys, not only uh, seat in the air, but they also want to offer hotels, a rental car, maybe a tour package, a rail, a ferry, a cruise, uh, and an insurance, uh, to just name a few of the products which uh, they want to search and book and combine into a booking. And that was one of the challenges we had to expand horizontally in this functionality. But there is a second challenge, which is that this intermediation is not as easy because of the airline world being so long in business that the product is very, very complex. So it started with paper tickets, with coupons, with carbon copies. And now we're in a digital world, which means that lots of the processes of the former non-digitized world have been digitized. And this makes it pretty difficult for new entries uh, and newcomers to entry in this sector. So it's a very high uh, entry barrier, um, but you also need to deal with tons of complexity. And while airline business is a kind of commodity and standardized, uh, it's not the case for hotels, it's not the case for rail, it's not the case for um, two operators uh, and all the other um, things I mentioned. So these are the two dimensions, horizontally complexity of the functionality um, and that this intermediation might be very tricky to do so. Um, so our podcast today in our episode, we wanted to focus on the role of data data, and especially as um, a key role to orchestrate ecosystems. And um, Amadeus is a brilliant case, I think, for, uh, yeah, we can look at to understand how can you leverage the data in an ecosystem to make the ecosystem more efficient. So maybe you can maybe give uh, also our listeners a, a short kind of an outline about If uh, if there um, if if users like the airlines or on the other side the travel agencies use um, Amadeus, how more efficient are the processes compared to non-using Amadeus? So what is really the efficiency gain? So there are, again two answers to your question. The first one is an efficiency gain without really leveraging data which flows through our system. Um, what you need to have in this kind of airline world when you want to search, where can I go? You need to have a cache in order to cache all the different routes, but also the fares so that you can uh, answer questions like, where can I go from A with uh, 500 euros uh, when I want to fly to, to B? What are the Bs where it can go? Uh, there's data behind, but it's more the static data, which is not changing so frequently. Um, the second thing is what you mentioned is the dynamic inside of the data. I see that platforms create the data which wouldn't be there if you would not use a platform. Uh, if you take the example of Uber, bringing together people who want to take a ride and those people who are offering a ride, uh, the platform um, is there to, to understand and show with the data where the demand is. You would not see the demand if you have a number of phone lists and you call your 
taxis one by one until you find someone free or you go around the corner. You, you don't have that. The same is true for Amadeus. With the data flowing through our systems, let's stick to the searches. Uh, we see where's the demand independently of the airlines being searched. Well, the airlines only see their, de their demand for their own routes on their own website. But wouldn't they benefit from data, which we have, in order to see where they could open new routes to fly to and compete with others? or see where's the demand, but it's complicated to get there because you need to have uh, two stopovers in order to get from A to B. So this is an example from the early stages of Amadeus where data really brings in value for both sides, the searchers, the travel searchers, and the providers. Actually, it sounds like, um, you know, when we're thinking about uh, data monetization, again, a bit... Uh, 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 like my previous comment on disintermediation, uh, where you were helping the travel agencies instead of uh, disintermediating them here, it seems also that, um, if my understanding is correct, that actually uh, travel agents and, and uh, uh, all the stakeholders of the ecosystems are also benefiting or um, able to monetize uh, the data or the data insights that you are providing through maybe the provision themselves of better service or, you know, incremental uh, uh, offerings. Uh, uh, did I get that right? Can, uh, can you maybe give a couple of examples? Uh, I, think th I think that there are three layers in data and data monetization, uh, at least in our platform, which leads to different benefits uh, for the two sides of the platform. Uh, the first one which you can do is you can aggregate the data in the form that you can sell it without disclosing some kind of uh, details of one of your competitors. So one airline could uh, sell an aggregator set of data to understand where they sell are positioned inside of the competition. Uh, this is certainly of value to them uh, because that's one of the products which we have and that's quite successful. And we have this product for a long, long time. The second dimension is that on this data, you can build features which would not be possible without the data. Uh, revenue management is certainly an obvious uh, example where you see the demand and then you can adapt your pricing based on that. Um, you can also adapt your pricing based on what the competition is doing. A good example is a hotel. Uh, you can try to, to sell your hotel with cheap prices. So you're the first one to have your hotel fully booked. Uh, but the hotel next around the corner will have a little bit higher prices. And if they know that the demand for this destination and this uh, holiday season is high, they would simply wait, sell later, but with a better profit and higher prices. Another example there is if you want to go on vacation and you have uh, two kids, um, do you want to go in a hotel where only singles and couples are around and your kids are bored? Or do you want to know that uh, the hotel is full of kids or the other way around you're a couple without kids and you don't want to come into a, a hotel where the pool is full of uh, crying kids uh, so this is data which uh, flows through our system so we can offer a feature that you can search if this is a children rich hotel in this week you don't care about uh, other weeks you want to care only about the week where you travel um, and uh, this is data which we have the 
third dimension I see is that everyone needs to build up this data pool by themselves for their own channels. And what we can do is we can help airlines to take the data which they get from our IT systems, like uh, the passenger boarding, the load factors of the plane, those kind of things, and combine it with data which they get through their own direct channel, their internet website. And then based on this data pool, we can have events. The data change is an event, and an event can trigger an action. So they can build up systems by themselves in a way that hasn't been possible before, because now we have big data, now we can handle big data, but now we can also stream data and have the dynamic and uh, fluctuation in the data handled, create events on top of it, and uh, do actions. Uh, and this is a field where we have offered a product for that quite recently, and it's a kind of innovation platform in itself because it's built for innovation on top of it by the users themselves. Yeah, this reminds me, those those dimensions you described reminds me on our value stack we have for platforms and the middle layer we have for the middle Yeah, the middle component of the stack is the intelligence layer. And here we also see those dimensions about the first in the low maturity, you can kind of exchange data, aggregate data. But if you uh, build up more higher maturity levels of intelligence, then you um, yeah, take the data, create insights and you trigger behavior. So it sounds a little bit um, also what you have went through and have built up as value propositions to your users and customers. Um, One tricky part always around data is owning the data. Uh, so people really have kind of yeah, concerns about uh, dealing with platforms before because they think platforms try to store data, own the data, and maybe yeah, misuse the data they have. So how is Amadeus also handling this topic of, 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 uh, of data ownership. Um, and you always need to find the right balance between what kind of value I can provide and how much data I need to own and how much yeah, uh, open I need to be. Maybe you can also elaborate on that. Yeah, I would also put it on, on, on two dimensions. One is that you have the plain raw data, which contains um, personal identifiable information, like the passenger name, maybe even the passport and the birth date. So this is definitely uh, data which falls under GDPR and which needs to be highly protected. And we see that this data, even though we have solutions to collect a customer database, that is data which we would uh, consider as the data belonging to, I, I stick to the example of an airline, but the same is true for hotels or for a tour operator. If there's a booking done on the system, the data belongs to them and they can build up their customer database, even though this product of a customer database uh, comes from us. So that's their data and we don't give visibility to, to this data to any other of our customers. So that's data which flows through our system, but from my perspective and from our perspective, it belongs to our customers. Uh, but then you can take data and aggregate that to a level which would not be possible by each of the customers themselves, as I explained before. And this is data where I believe the true value comes in, 
um, I would we we have the principle that we say all of the personal data belongs to our customers and they are the master and control uh, what they would like to store, what they would like to see and how to access it. But the aggregation, the kind of meta layer is um, creating an enormous value in addition and that cannot be done by themselves. So this is data which we uh, monetize and share uh, for the advantage of uh, our customers too. And when we talk about big pools of data, uh, we then go into talking about artificial intelligence uh, a bit logically. And uh, maybe have you, can you give us some insight of what, uh, what, what is the role of AI for Amadeus or maybe more widely, how do you see AI being used in the industry or in the future could be used in the industry? I can give you maybe three examples on where AI is successfully used in Amadeus. Um, before I do that, my principal thinking on big data and AI is that they're kind of complementary. Um, we had to master big data early of this century in order to be able to have artificial intelligence, explicitly neural networks being trained by this big data. And the artificial intelligence or neural networks, if I want to stick to this uh, part of artificial intelligence, is in principle doing nothing else than classifying data and finding patterns inside of that. It's classifying and separating the different patterns, which you would not see because it's so much data there. Um, so artificial intelligence is a kind of tool to handle big data and find patterns which you would not see by yourself. And we have um, to come to the three examples. Uh, so we have created a revenue management system with a reinforcement learning uh, to find the right price and uh, not having the classical rules with mathematical formulas uh, quite complicated and sophisticated, but having a simple neural network architecture being learning itself on what uh, the best price would be in order to gain the highest revenue. We need to limit that a little bit because otherwise um, you might have the outperformance between the network and the customer paying in the end. Uh, you don't want to change it during the night or something and then the passenger uh, understands where to search. So that's a bit the limitations you need to do there, but it's quite successful. And for those customers which are using our reinforcement learning revenue management systems, they have increased their revenue in the single digit percentage. So mid single digit percentage, if I want to have it a bit more precise. The second example I want to bring is on, um, on fraud. And here we have two examples. So these would be my three examples then. Um, you know that we have booking records in our systems and those booking records um, might be bookings which are misused. So there are cases where people are flying and then when they are on the plane, you try to change and cancel the booking and these kind of things. So there are normally protections behind, but if, if you see that there are bookings which haven't been changed for, uh, which haven't been flown for 20 years, but they're changed every day, 
there seems to be something wrong. And uh, AI can find those extremas inside of our bookings. And if they're then somewhere in um, a country where you know that fraud is high, then you have a fraud detected and can look into that. And the same thing we do on payment. So with our payment system, which we have integrated for our customers, um, the an, an artificial intelligence is observing the payment flow and finding those irregularities in order to uh, signal a potential fraud. And then we can look into that. So it's two dimensions, basically. So on the one hand side, you give them some feedback based on the data to which has an impact to their revenue. And on the other side, also to the cost side, because it helps them to protect against uh, misbehavior and fraud. So it saves them some some kind of cost. So you can, yeah, in, in, in those two dimensions, you can leverage the data. So, so these were two examples, but we have other examples at the uh, customer front. So at the traveler front, let's say, uh, where you can have these, you know, this uh, customer choice modeling offering instead of uh, the normal prices, you offer three different uh, prices. And if you have three instead of two, it's more likely that the traveler is picking the middle one. Like if I offer to you three bottles of wine, one for 10, one for 20 and one for 50 uh, euros, you most likely take the one for 20. If I just offer 10 and 20, you take the one for 10. And if you do that with um, kind of learning mechanism and offering these kind of, uh, again, flights to a traveler, then you can uh, sell the higher product and do upselling with the help of AI. That's happening everywhere in the normal retail stores. And of course, that's something which our customers would like to see on their websites too. And um, how do you see how this whole AI and uh, data will evolve in the next years? So taking a, like a, an outlook into the future. So what can we further expect? What will be some, or what are kind of trends we already see, which will be yeah, shape the future of business models in the next years based on data? So not only AI, but uh, the combination of AI and data, because you also have uh, quite some hot topics these days in the COVID times, which is biometric boarding, for example, where face recognition would be used in order to give uh, clearance for your boarding, which by the way, might be also checking your vaccination certificate at the same time because it's in your wallet and you consent that it can be used for boarding. And if you don't have it, you wouldn't get the boarding clearance. Um, but if you take it back to uh, data, I believe that everything around search and finding the right fares and the right combination of a travel uh, would be even more um, managed by an artificial intelligence than we see that today. And when you when you look at what the competition is doing, to give you one example, Airbnb has changed their search to an AI-based search some years ago already. Uh, in our case, it's a little bit more complicated to do so, but we do have in some areas, uh, some cases where AI is certainly helping uh, in search. Okay, so this is a, a good kind of a trend. And, um, um, 
a lot of great, great insights. Uh, so thank you from, uh, for sharing those insights and based on the experience you gained and the, the, the journey you went through. Um, what I really liked is about uh, when you talked about the dimensions of, let's say, value propositions of data. So about aggregation, intelligence, the data pooling and triggering events. So this is something I think we can, um, or each platform should consider as a, yeah, as a model to apply and think about what can I do with the data I share, the data I collect, the data I orchestrate, etc. etc. So this is definitely something I take with me. Um, unfortunately, our time is a little bit over, but um, as we always at the end ask our guests, um, maybe Christian, could you share with our guests your kind of key? single most important key advice as a platform leader to other platform leaders and executives or companies who want to approach this platform journey? So when you're in the platform business, my advice is to keep innovating. If you stop innovating, the competition will be there to take over. And we've seen that with in this year dramatically with the pandemic, uh, changing the complete travel sector and we still haven't recovered from that because some borders are closed and governments are there to blame travel for spreading the disease which uh, i can partially prove that it's not true or at least not in all cases but um, keep innovating and whenever things change from the outside like this pandemic you need to innovate even more and even faster and when you have a platform which is constantly innovating, you don't get uh, fat and tired and your platform will evolve and you stay ahead of the competition. I love this advice. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> Thank you very much, Christian. And uh, yeah, we also wish you all the best, especially the whole travel industry, um, how to deal with COVID and that it will recover very soon. Um and also with the aspect of sustainability, that we, let's uh, let's let's have maybe not <laughs> a complete return to to all the flights. Uh, maybe we can reduce some of the unnecessary flights. But at the end, we all want to travel and we all want to visit other places in the world. So hopefully, we can back to a kind of a new normal very soon. Christian, thank you again very much. Thank you very much for joining our conversation. And maybe we can have another conversation in one or two years and see how everything. Um, went on. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you, Christian.